Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Welcome to the Rise Up For You podcast. I'm Georgia Close, your host. Thank you for taking us uh, with you on your journey today and for joining us. This podcast is here to serve you and stand alongside you in your journey to becoming your best self through speaking with industry experts, authors, and amazing individuals throughout the world who have a message to share. We're bringing you empowerment, inspiration, and strategies that you can implement immediately. Our focus is on the whole person. Research shows that the happiest people in the world, the most fulfilled countries in the world, are the ones that take time to nurture and build their relationships, money, self-worth, career, love life, and health. And when we feel great within us as the whole person, then and only then can we create positive change. Now, Kelly Resendez is a mom. She's a business executive, best-selling author, and influencer. She's all of those things. Can you believe that? She loves helping others with strategies to overcome self-sabotage and find more joy. She's the author of new and already popular book, Big Voices, is also founder of the movement the book is named for, Big Voices, a women-empowered network. Kelly's passionate about helping people increase joy, reducing suffering, and learn to think differently. Her own journey has helped her create the strategies and tools that she shares throughout her books. And currently, she's the Executive Vice President of Paramount Partners Group, which is a division of Lone Pal. She uses the same concept of mindfulness, self-discovery, and goal setting to help those in the mortgage and real estate industries create a successful business. Well, it is my pleasure and my honor Kelly, to have you on the show today. Um, and I would love to talk about the woman behind the scenes. Your work seems absolutely fabulous from what I can tell. And um, what you have to say is definitely something that all of us really have needed at one time or another, um, very evidently, or will need in the future. I don't think anyone escapes this planet without uh, what you do. So, In a few words, uh, could you just, as our guest, tell us about you and what it is that you do? Absolutely. So I am excited to be here, Georgia, and and definitely share my story. So, you know, I was an overachiever, and I was somebody that was a perfectionist and what I would classify as a people pleaser. Mm. And in probably about 2003 is when I really started my awakening And as I started to, you know, just dive into personal growth and development, I started to unwind a lot of the programming that I had been raised with and Mm -hmm. I had believed in. And it really has just led me to wanting to share a lot of the strategies that I found and or created in order to be able to live, you know, an extraordinary life. And, you know, Big Voices, which is the platform um, that I that I run and, and also is the title of my book, is really about helping women awaken 
increase joy, reduce self-suffering, and learn how to think differently because most of us are overthinkers. And a lot of the thoughts that don't serve us dominate a lot of space in our lives. And so that really has just been my last 15 years is being submerged in the consciousness space and really understanding how I could overcome limiting beliefs and learn how to manage my overthinking. And I'm extremely grateful, you know, as hard as it is to say, you know, my awakening came on the heels of my mom being diagnosed with dementia. And as I witnessed her, you know, she was somebody that was an overachiever as well, you know, start to release a lot of those things just simply because her brain was starting to, you know, I guess you could say decay uh, with her disease. Mm -hmm. It really just brought me to my knees and, and started to make me ask bigger questions like, what is the meaning of all this? And how do I experience life at a really amazing level, rather than be filled with stress and worry and other things. So that is really kind of my story. Wow. And that was about 15 years ago, did you say? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, you've done a lot in that time. (laughs) I have. I have. And I'm grateful for every moment. But I also know that there's probably people listening today that are just starting this journey And I like to help people write a new story for themselves and do it a lot faster than what I did. And so I Mm. share a lot of those strategies with people in the platform. Oh, a book of shortcuts. Yes. 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 (laughs) Lots of life hacks as well. Oh my gosh. Well, I can absolutely relate to that. And I'm sure probably at least half of our audience could relate to what you're saying. Cause a lot of us, a lot of us are women. We tend to be more detail oriented and a little bit more task oriented um, as well as being, you know, visionary thinkers. So it's kind of, it's, it's kind of hard. It's almost like when you can think both ways, you almost become a little bit of a, a curse to yourself. You do. And, um, and it's yet such an important skill and an important gift to have. So how do you, like you said, a lot of what you experienced, a lot of the stress and you know, perfectionism and wanting to please people. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming when you say that perform at your very best, yes. of course, at all times, how did you, I mean, how do you just remove those thoughts? What is your strategy for just removing the excess overthinking? Yeah. So the first thing that I would say is that it's impossible to remove a lot of the thoughts that we have. As much as I wish there was a way that we could just reduce the amount of thinking that we do, it happens over time. And so in my thought management strategy, and and for the women out there, you're going to appreciate it. I figure Mm -hmm. since we all have PMS, we need TMS, which is my thought management strategy. And it's really about documenting all of the thoughts that really come from our highest and most authentic self, which I refer to as our big voice and separating those from the thoughts that come from our little voice, which could be called your ego or the enemy or Mm -hmm. just any disempowering thoughts that you have so that as they come at you throughout the day, that you're able to sort and qualify the ones that are really going to serve you and you release the ones that aren't. And it's done with having awareness, being able to know and accept that you are not your thoughts because a lot of them are just crazy. You know, why any of us would believe that we're not worthy 
or have self-doubt or self-loathing or any, you know, just barrier to actualizing our potential. You know, it just doesn't make sense, but that's how it is. So we've got to really learn how to sort and qualify those thoughts by using our awareness to, you know, just again, release some of the ones that don't serve us. Wow. That's, yep. You know, I've heard that a few times said many different ways, but it's so true. So much harder to do in the moment, but I'm, I'm sure, and I can testify that it gets, early, it gets easier as you practice something like that. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I started in the consciousness space and read, you know, Power of Now, which was really the first book that opened up my eyes to this, mm. you know, it was exhausting. It was really exhausting to start to look at all the thoughts that I was having and they just kept coming. And until I sat down and really wrote them all out and used a process to document, you know, some of the repetitive little voice thoughts and I replaced them with new thoughts that would serve me better. So something like, you know, I don't care about money was one thought that I would have. And I had to replace that with, I have a mad respect for money because prosperity is what's going to allow me to impact more people. And Mm. I'm, you know, if the thought comes up, then I just quickly am able to shift because I already have a plan for how I'm going to handle that thought. Wow. So um, you you just gave a great example of that. So did you, um, correct me here, but you you said one of the thoughts that you used to have was, I don't care about money. Um, And you're saying that was kind of a little, that was a little voice thought? It was. Okay. And, And honestly, it came from a place where, you know, being an overachiever, being really mm-hmm. focused on money before my mom got sick, when I saw her basically work her whole life for money and for material items, it, it made my pendulum just swing too far. Oh, and, wow. And so I, you know, I went from, you know, being a high six income figure to having these thoughts like money doesn't matter. And it does. You know, money doesn't make us happy, but not having any will really make us unhappy. (laughs) And I continued to succeed because I had built this foundation in my business. You know, I've been in the mortgage industry for about 20 years. And what it did was it, it, I just didn't respect money, I would say. And having financial freedom is so important for all of us because we have passion and we have, you know, a bigger purpose in our life than just earning But when we do have money, it releases a lot of stress and anxiety about how we're going to live our highest life. That's so true. Yep. Wow. Well, I know you kind of mentioned this already, but I want to find out if there's another moment like this. But did you have, I mean, you, you have such an extensive biography and everything you've done and what you're doing right now is kind of like the superwoman, um, And I want to know, was there an aha moment, um, like what you mentioned with your mom, where you just went, okay, I've got to do something about this. I have to make a shift. Absolutely. And it didn't come without a lot of, you know, intention, I would say. You know, most of us believe in the or idea in life, you know, I can have a successful career or I can be a great parent or I can have great health. And I made a decision that I was going to believe in the concept of and. 
So when I, when I really made a decision to start sharing a lot of what I had learned, I had to choose, you know, an and in my life. I could still stay in my executive position in the mortgage industry and be an author and a speaker at the same time. And I just had to be intentional about how I spent my time, you know, cutting things out like TV, you know, it's amazing. I only wrote for 30 to 45 minutes a day, but I did it for an entire year. And if you think about the compound effect of writing every single day for that period of time, you know, I was able to publish a 340 page book where most of us just really, we do, we waste a lot of time and the aha was that I could create whatever life for myself I wanted. I didn't have to wait for the right time. I just had to make the time. Mm -hmm. Okay, Kelly, can you just burst all of our bubbles and (laughs) and tell us, I mean, in, in the history of what you've been up to, what are some of those things that just we don't realize are sucking up time, like TV? Yeah, TV is one of them. I would say, you know, in the last 10 years, social media, um, surfing, you know, so many of us are making way too many decisions a day. And so being committed to what your schedule is on a Sunday, you know, making decisions about what we're going to eat, things like that, managing our energy level. You know, Brendan Bouchard probably says it best when he talks about this idea that energy that we have is like a power plant. We don't start with any. Our job is to generate it. And most people believe that they've lost something, that they just don't have it, and we have to create it. And so we've got to really look at our entire life from what we eat to how we sleep to how we spend our time to who we spend our time with. When we start to look at all of those things together, we will find that we do waste a lot of time. And if we chose to spend that time differently, you could create a side hustle. You could write the book that you always wanted. You could learn a foreign language. You could travel and have adventure more. And so it really just comes down to figuring out where you are now, figuring out what you want to create, and then adopting the beliefs that are going to back that up. Because you know, I, I had a mastermind with some women today, and one of the beliefs that we were that we were trying to replace was, I don't have enough time. Well, if you believe that, you're not going to have enough time. Mm. Time has to be something that you believe is abundant, that you've got this opportunity to, to really decide how you spend it. Mm. That's, you have a magic key there. And I know you're probably thinking, it's not a magic key, Georgia. <laughs> it's, it's actually pretty simple, but gosh, we all need to learn that to read your book. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I would love it. And you know, something as simple as how we spend our time in the car is, I mean, we spend so much time driving that if you just made a decision that I'm going to utilize that time to listen to a podcast like Rise Up For You or one that's going to bring you more wisdom because we know that we're programmed to believe certain things and we've got to replace the programming. We've got to just continuously feed ourselves with the, you know, the energy or inspiration that's going to allow us to create the life that we want. Yeah. Can we uh, switch topics a little bit? I, a lot in your book and on your website, it talks about um, you and this joyful demeanor that you enjoy having and that you help other people create. So 
can we just talk about joy for a minute? Because uh, I can hear it in your voice too. And I think it's something that, gosh, it's just such a, it's such a brilliant emotion that causes us to be healthy, causes us to be excited. It causes all these wonderful experiences in life. Um, so what would you say, what's the root of that? What's the root of joy for you personally? Yeah, so I really see joy as just being something that's consistent. So one of my main mottos in in my life is, you know, nobody steals my joy. So I've got to be armed and I've got to protect it. It's sacred. And we can maintain joy in spite of anything that's going on in our life. And we're never going to get away from problems. We're never going to get away from, you know, family crises or, you know, friends having challenges or any of those things. But, you know, really joy is our outlook and it's what we focus on. So we have a choice to ask ourselves every time something happens, you know, we can either talk about the negative aspects of it or we can ask questions like, what can I learn How can I grow through this? How can I really just stay in this state of joy that I can be able to spread? And so it is our view. It is the way that we experience life. We either get to choose to experience it through the lens of joy or suffering. And we've got to figure out this balance because the suffering, unfortunately, is probably not going to go away. You know, we're going to have aging parents. You know, I've got two teenagers and I love them. But suddenly one day, you know, they went from being a, you know, tell me what to do and what, what makes the world go round mom to looking at me like I had no idea what I was talking about. And it would have been really easy for me to focus on their moodiness or the challenges that they were having, or I could continuously grab onto those moments that, you know, maybe my daughter comes in and and starts talking to me on my bed where, you know, the year before she was in there every single day. And so joy is definitely just something that we can cultivate. Mm -hmm. And I believe that it exists in all of us. It's just been pushed down by life stress and stress is a choice. So why not choose joy instead of choosing stress? So when you have challenges, most people want to go tell everyone about it and post it on social media and get everyone in their you know, pity party with them where their boat's just going to sink. Or we can choose not to share it and we can just sit with it and be able to override it with hope and faith and a deep knowing that everything's always going to end up okay for me. Oh, I love that. I love that. Thank you. Okay, so how about the other end of that? I don't know. Um, you know, I, I'm sure all of us could identify somebody in our lives that it seems like they always have something going wrong. And it's sort of maybe another way to say it is a self-fulfilling prophecy or someone who has this victim mentality, like something's always, it's like they're, it's like the law of attraction. They're drawing negative things to them without realizing it. Yes. Where does that come from in your experience? Well, I would just come from, I, I would say that it comes from their belief system. They probably had somebody else model that for them. So they don't know anything different. And those are my favorite people to encounter in my life because I can quickly (laughs) reframe things. But I also honor that, you know, their awakening is going to occur at the right time. 
You know, it's going to come, most of the time it comes through pain. When somebody has enough pain, they absolutely will finally start to ask for help. But I would say, you know, that most people just don't have the tools and the knowing that what you focus on, you will get. And so for me, I just continuously focus on, you know, the goodness that life has to offer. The fact that the sun is shining in California again after being in the rainiest season ever, it felt like, you know, we could complain (laughs) about it or we could say, wow, we really needed the water. Um, That got old. I'm not going to lie. Um, But at the same time, you know, part of our job in, in holding our joy is to be able to identify, do I have enough that somebody that is negative is not going to impact me? Or do I need to set boundaries and potentially move that, remove that person from my life? Mm-hmm. So what about, um, I mean, in, in your experience, do you, when you meet people like that, I know sometimes they just don't feel that they have the power to change anything, right. that it's happening to them and it's not within their power to take hold of that. How do you address somebody like that? Is there, or is it simply, okay, hands off, it's going to happen for them, you know, in the right time for them where they can see the signs? Yeah. So definitely part of, of this journey for me has been to become non-judgmental and to allow people to be where they are. You know, when you are, are, you know, a skilled coach and you know how to provide strategic feedback to somebody, I think our natural um, desire is to change them. And I don't believe that I have the power to change anyone. All I can be is continuously the person that they look to and say, wow, what is it that you're doing? Mm -hmm. So if they give me permission, I will definitely give feedback to them because I'm no different than anyone that's on this call. You know, the difference has been, I love learning. And so I've stayed in proximity to people that also have cultivated this deep sense of joy, but I can also like step back if they haven't given me permission, you know, I just ask questions that, you know, maybe just bring up some, some deeper conversations with them, you know, and maybe just ask them, you know, have you thought about looking at this different, you know, one of the things in the mortgage industry is there's a lot of people that focus on what their company doesn't have or what's wrong in the market. And it's really easy for me to start to talk about, well, let's talk about all the good things that technology has brought, or let's talk about the opportunity that the market has brought. And I'll just try to shift the conversation without telling them that they've done anything wrong. And so I, you know, if they give me permission, I'm definitely going to share some of the wisdom that I've learned. If they haven't, I'm going to subtly try to do it where they don't feel like I'm judging them. Wow. Yeah, that is a big part of it is, um, is judgment. You're right. And I think that's something that is a constant battle in our minds. Um, but yeah, can be overcome. Yeah, it is. And you know, if there is judgment, the one thing that we have to remember is that if we're judging others, the root is judging ourselves. That's <laughs> normally what the root of it is. Mm. And you know, you've got to start to look at that because one of the most basic levels of, of human psychology is projection. And so it's really easy for us to project onto others what we're really feeling about ourselves. And so it should be just a lesson. The minute you feel the judgment come up, 
you can ask yourself, like, how do I need to grow? How do I become less critical of my body, of my discipline, of, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing that you're judging this other person for? Mm, I love that. Okay, so going back to something you said earlier made me think of this, but you talk a lot in your book about emotional triggers. Yes. Triggers that cause even a physical reaction in your body. Um, how, yeah, can you just talk to us for a minute about that? Absolutely. So, you know, I have a trigger management system that I coach to. And again, what a trigger is, is just an emotional response to something. And we're triggered all day, but most of us only focus on the negative triggers that we have. We don't continuously think about what made us laugh, what made us smile, what made us happy, any of those other responses that we have on a visceral level. And so when we strive to hold our joy, part of doing that is to remove a lot of the emotional triggers that we have. And so I use kind of a four-step process. So the first thing is you have to become aware of what the trigger um, is that you're having. And so you want to talk about what that feeling or emotion is. You know, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, mm. I'm, you know, feeling shame, I'm, I'm whatever that emotion is, and really just document what it is. The second step is identifying what preference you have that that trigger is not in alignment with. Because for most of us, something as simple as traffic, if we're getting frustrated and angry or whatnot, our deeper preference is that our time is never wasted. You know, we believe our time is so valuable, which is, you know, coming from ego. And so we've got to identify what that preference is. And then step three is just knowing what the hallucination is. And I always say, beat your frontal lobe to the punch. It's already going to go on autopilot and start <laughs> assessing and simulating what the potential outcome is. And so you want to beat it. And I just say, pull the hallucination as far as you possibly can. Like I'm going to get fired because I'm in traffic and I'm running late, which is just silly. That's not going to happen, but that is the worst case scenario of what that might look like. And then step four is just asking yourself the question, can I grow through this? Is this something that I can use to cultivate more patience for myself and actually really do some work around so that I'm no longer emotionally triggered? Or is it something that I can avoid? Maybe you decide it's just not worth it for me. I'm no longer going to get on the freeway during rush hour traffic, or I'm going to create more space in my morning routine so that I have a 30 minute head start. So if there is traffic, it's not a big deal. And if there's not, I show up early and I can be more productive. So when we start to document these things, and I've got tools on the website for this and write out some of our greatest emotional triggers. You know, I look at my situation being the parent of a, a teenage boy, you know, one of my greatest triggers was the fact that he started gaming before he started his homework. And every day I was getting emotionally triggered and it was starting to steal my joy. And when I documented it and came up with a plan that, wow, this is a gift. This is something that I can use to be number one creative. You know, I started taking um, his cord for his Xbox with me so that I didn't have to face this anymore. Right. And, or I used it as just an opportunity to not let it get to me. And then I could celebrate that and just know like, wow, like a year ago, I used to be so frustrated and now it has nothing on me. 
you know, it's like, bring it on. And I, you know, one of my beliefs when it comes to my children and for any parents on here, this is one of the greatest beliefs that has served me most is that I believe my children chose me to teach me the lessons that I was unwilling to learn on my own. So Hmm. every time they do something that I do not prefer, I'm able to use that and say, like, what am I supposed to learn from this? What are they trying to teach me? Wow. Yeah, when you look at it like that, it's so different. (laughs) So different. Because, man, these kids, they will trigger us all day long if we allow them to. I mean, whether it's your kid running late for school or whatnot, it's like Groundhog's Day. It's the same thing over and over again. So we have this ability to rise up and really take ownership of our emotions and not allow it to steal our joy. Amen, Sister Fran. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so could you, can you give us just maybe like the top three tips um, for our audience in your field in working with people and trying to kind of cut the fluff and be able to be more productive, more joyful. What were, what are top three tips that you could give us? Yeah. I mean, the number one tip is definitely to find your big voice is to really own and have clarity about how you want to experience life. And for women, and I know there's a lot of female listeners on here, a lot of this has to do with staying in our feminine power so that we don't fatigue ourselves. And so we've got to take the mask off. We've got to really get to the heart of what we want for our life so that we can start to change some of the things that are not serving us any longer. So that's definitely the number one tip that I have for people is to really figure out your most authentic self, like really who you are at your core. Number two is find like-minded people that are on the same or similar journey that you are because it can get lonely. You know, the higher we get on the consciousness scale, the lonelier it gets. So you've got to be intentional about finding like-minded people that are going to support you. And if you're the person that does have a bad day, you have somebody to call that can reframe it and help you ask the questions, you know, like, what can I learn from this? What's good about this? Things like that. So that's definitely tip number two. And then tip number three is just finding the strategies that you need to identify, um, you know, how you can become as productive as humanly possible. And a lot of that's just going to come from, you know, there are people that are probably listening that sabotage themselves on a regular basis and overcoming sabotage is a strategy. So maybe you procrastinate, maybe you worry too much about what people think and you need strategies to be able to overcome it. And, you know, I really coach women on creating an annual growth plan. You know, we want to do everything at once, which Mm -hmm. is impossible So we want to go deeper instead of wider. Choose some of the things that are going to bring you the greatest, um, I would say, momentum in your life. And I did this on an annual basis. So I would pick things like, how do I practice the law of detachment so I'm disappointed less? Or how do I combat, you know, my perfectionism and not worry so much about what other people think? Things like that so that I could really set my intention every day for that year on reading the right material, going to the right events, and then just, you know, every day trying to put the focus on that. 
so that if it showed up, I had the tools and the strategies to be able to overcome it. Wow. Those are some great tips right there. I'm going to have to re-listen to this. <laughs> yeah. And the good news is that, you know, in my latest course that I just released, um, which is writeanewstorytoday.com, I really go through some of these strategies that are going to be able to help you experience life differently and live the life that you know that you're destined to. And what was the name of the course? Write a new story today. Okay. Write a new story today.com. Yes. Great. Okay. Well, let's, let's move into the power section here. I know you mentioned earlier that one of the books that's had an impact on your life is the power now. Is there, do you have another one in there that you would recommend to the audience or is that kind of your number one? No, I would absolutely recommend um, Untethered Soul. Mm. And it's easier for people to read than Power of Now. As much as I appreciate Power of Now and A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, you know, I love Untethered Soul because the way that that he really breaks down this, this other, you know, voice in your life as well is just amazing and brilliant. So that is definitely my favorite. Okay. Thank you for that. How about one quote that you live by or one saying that's really had an impact on you? Yeah, it goes back to Eckhart Tolle, which is the experience that you're having is the experience that you need. Mm-hmm. And when we look at that, and in my life, let me tell you, that quote has absolutely allowed me to stay in joy regardless of the suffering that I've had. You know, I've got a, an older sister that has mental illness and we've had tragedies and, and things that have come up from that, that it has allowed me just to experience it differently because there were growth opportunities for me in it. Wow. The experience that you're having is the experience that you need. Yes. Wow. I love that. My gosh. Okay. Well, maybe this is your golden nugget that you just mentioned to us, but if you could leave the world one message, one golden nugget, what would it be? Yeah. The golden nugget that I would probably just really want people to, you know, embrace is that you can choose to experience life any way you want. Like we really can create a life that is full in every area at the same time. You know, there are people that will say you can't have it all. You have to sacrifice, but deep in our soul, we know that's not true. We know that we're made for more. We know that we can experience life with more fulfillment and meaning in it. And you've just got to start. You've got to believe that and then just start to cultivate the beliefs and, you know, the goals and, and, you know, the things like that, that are going to really be able to support that. Wow. I love that. How, well, how do we stay connected to you, Kelly? And how do we support you? Yeah. So what I would say the best place to start is I've got a quiz that you can take at bigvoicesrisequiz.com. And it will really just kind of help you identify where you are and maybe some of the tools that I offer that are going to be able to help you. And when you do this, you are going to get some free tools from me, you know, a stress reduction video, um, my essential toolkit that helps you write a new story for yourself as well. 
And it will just help you kind of get moving towards, you know, really being able to, you know, create that life that you want. Well, I, well, I, I guess I can't really yeah, speak for, speak for our, our, the men in our audience, but I know for us ladies, we love quizzes. Awesome. <laughs> That's, That's great. great. I, love I love that. that. I'll, I'll be going there later tonight. tonight. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> okay. So okay, last, last but not but least, not uh, when you hear the phrase rise, rise up for you, you, which is who we are, what, what comes to mind? Rise, rise up for you. you. Oh, that just gives me chills because it's so in line. You know, my, my platform is called Big Voices Rise. Um, yes. And so really it is getting back getting back to the core of who you are, you know, that strong, worthy, confident soul that believes wholeheartedly that they deserve more in their life and that you have risen above the programming. You have risen above what society says success is and you really are owning your joy. Hmm. Well, I will take that. (laughs) And for all of us listening, I know that would be a very valuable takeaway. Thank you for talking with us, Kelly. Absolutely, Georgia. And thank you guys for bringing such great, you know, content and wisdom into the world. Absolutely. With people like you out there, it's not too hard. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today on the Rise Up For You podcast series. We're here to serve you and inspire you to become your best self so that you can live a life that you are proud of. If you haven't already, head over to our website, riseupforyou.com, and explore through all that we have to offer. Don't forget to subscribe while you're there for exclusive materials sent to you weekly, and also subscribe to this podcast. You can find this on iTunes, SoundCloud, and any other major podcast channel. Join us for our next episode, but until we meet again, rise up for you, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater you tomorrow.